Well, you know, we are still in this series, and I'm excited about it. And I just kind of reiterate on this, you know, it's in our house, and it goes back to growing up when your dad said, in our house, you know, kind of with that voice, you knew whatever followed was either something you were going to do in your house or not going to do in the house. But any time it was prefaced with those in our house, you knew it was coming, didn't you? And we're trying to do this not to have that stern voice in a sense, but to say, you know, in our house, it's important that we realize we're all in this together and we're all family together in this process. And that in the church family, we all have the opportunity to serve and be served. You're here for a reason. God has you here for a reason. And we think about what it means in our house. And I, you know, Billy and I have talked, we've got our, and it was our little Michaela who is 15 now, going soon 16, carrying that turkey at three or four years old, and all eyes were on her, right? But she had to have something to do because she was part of the family. And if you're in the family, you get to serve and be served. And I'll tell you another story, and it also is with her. You know, we've never had a children's table at our house for the meals. We just don't. Um, one of the reasons is for me because I felt like if we put our kids at a table when they're little, they'll move us to another table when we're older. I just didn't want to risk that. So I said, from the beginning, we all eat together and you can't change that. I will always have a seat at the table, right? But on one occasion, we had a little table in the other room that the kids played on and colored on and so forth. And there were guests at the house and that, and somebody thought, well, this must be the children's table. So they grabbed it from one room and they walked it into the dining room area and set it in a place that they felt was appropriate for the kids to sit at. And a little Michaela with almost a little quiver in her lip came in and said, what, 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 what do we, what, you know, you couldn't, and you're trying to say, okay, use your big words here. Why is that table in there? We don't sit at that table. We sit at the big table with everyone else. And it was very clear to her in our house, see, she knew at a very, very young age, we all do this as a family. We're all in this together. And sure enough, very quickly we go, Michaela, honey, that was a mistake. Grab that table with me because we don't need that table in here because we're all in this together in our house. So as we continue with our series here, you know, you're going to hear some things this week, last week, and that. And some people say, you know, I just, um, we go to church because God wants us to get a bigger comfort zone, step out of our comfort zone, wants us to think outside the box. I've never been that kind of person. I don't want to be that kind of person as your pastor. Here's what I want you to think about. God doesn't want you to step out of your comfort zone. God wants you to get a bigger comfort zone because He wants His your comfort zone to match His for you. God isn't telling you, think outside the box. God's saying, you kidding me? I got a bigger box for you than you could possibly imagine. You don't need to think outside your box. You need to get a bigger box. That's what we're talking about is our family and what God wants to do with us. So our series continues in our house. The mission that we have right here at Summit Church, you know, the reach, raise, release, and we'll go into this in depth. But today's message is just on raising. The purpose of Summit Church, our mission is to reach, raise, and release God's family into God's kingdom for God's purposes, for God's glory. That's it. Same we had last week, same we'll have next week. 
Because that's our mission and our purpose as we look at this, is this idea that for Summit Church, this community of faith that God has called together and brought here to reach, raise, and release God's family into God's kingdom for God's purposes, for God's glory. And we're going to pursue that, and we're going to go after that. You know, I told you at the beginning, the word was fresh. And to take a fresh look at how we're doing things and what God has called us to. And remember on this, that it isn't to say, oh, gosh, you know, before Chuck got here and Billy was able to guide Chuck five months ago, you know, everything before that was wrong. Oh, no, this church has been amazing. We just celebrated 40 years last September. Lives have been changed. Families have been changed. Everything, you know, that. We're saying, though, at this point here, what's God got us for in this season, right? And this reach, raise, and release. And what does that look like? And it's a little bit different. And we have bathed this in prayer and said, God, take us through this. We've asked God for wisdom. And we've come in that God wants us not to reach, and some of you know, you know, we don't hide, pretty transparent. We don't hide anything. It used to mean reach all of those far from God. And we have prayed over this, and we've asked God, and we've literally come and said, look, everybody's supposed to be here. It's not just all of us now go from here and reach those, but we're all meant to grow, aren't we? And we'll talk about that. But we've said it's to reach the heart of everyone, which really means we know we don't do that. We know this, that God calls us to be the conduit, to create the safe place for God through the power of the Holy Spirit to touch and change lives and transform people. That's what God's calling us to do. So it's the heart of everyone that matters. Each one of you here, if you're watching us online, your heart matters to God and your heart matters to this church because we want to keep growing and working on that. But we also know in the reach, it wasn't just the reaching of those, but then the raising up. We believe God has called us to be this community of faith. And God has called us to raise up a community of faith. And within this, we know that families become the community of faith that we grow together. But as a church, and that even that word, I mean, that's an old German word that actually refers to a building, kluch. That's where the word came from. It's an old German church. It means in a building. And we've taken that to mean like, that's what the church is. No, the community is sitting here. We can tear down the walls, take off the roof. This is what God's family is, regardless of what the walls look like or the shape of the container that we're in on that. And that's the desire. So we know this, that God is calling us to reach every heart, to be the conduit, to raise up communities of faith. And then when we launch out to release everyone to fulfill their purpose in Christ, you know, See, part of this in churches, and you know how this works, you know, if you've got two R's, you've got to come up with a word with a third R, you know what I mean? So we had to have release, and I like it. But you know what that word means to me as your pastor? That means equip and empower. Every single person came in here today that God had gifted you, He began shaping you with a purpose and a destiny that He knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. He's got plans for you, you see, and this church here. This community of faith is supposed to help those plans of God, not get in the way. We're supposed to be powerful to equip you, and we'll talk about to empower you, to launch you. Some of you, you're going to get equipped and empowered from this community of faith, 
and it won't be serving here. God's going to use you in different places than that. Many of you, frankly, many of you, and we talked about the, the, the growth tricks in that. There's some sitting here that you've been wrestling with. Where should I be serving? There are people sitting, and some of you tell me after every service, you know, I've just kind of wrestled with where I should be serving. I said, you know, be careful wrestling with God. You know what happened to Jacob? He had a limp the rest of his life. Let's not go there if you don't need to, right? But God's got plans for you, and therefore God's got plans for Summit Church right here. And so when I said we sought in wisdom this, you know, when I was preparing this message, we're doing a devotion, and today's devotion is on wisdom. And I, I wrote this, and I, I jumped into this because this idea that very often we're praying to God to give us an answer. How many of you have done that? God, I need an answer on this, okay? How many didn't raise your hand because you're afraid of what I'm going to do next? Okay, good. I got you all. We're all right here together. Thanks, right? Okay, buddy. But here's the deal. As I was studying this issue of wisdom, and I was praying over, and even 5.30 this morning, and I wrote this out on a note, that so often I feel like I have prayed for God to give me an answer to this. That is biblical. Don't get me wrong. But here's where I've messed up at times. It's the idea that instead of just asking God, tell me right here, God, give me the wisdom that I need. So I'm not just saying, God, tell me what to do and I will move accordingly. But God, I need your wisdom. God says he will give us the mind of Christ. Okay? So that idea of wisdom, and it was like, and I know it's one you've heard, and, but the old Chinese proverb, if you give somebody a fish, you feed them for a day. If you teach them how to fish you'll feed them for a lifetime. And it struck me literally at 5.30 this morning, and I was doing a devotion. I hadn't looked at the notes. I wasn't heading to the mat. This is just study time. How many times I've asked for the fish and not learned to fish, meaning that how many times I prayed for a single answer when I should be praying to God for wisdom that will take me through that. And in that wisdom, God will answer that, but it will also give me wisdom for other areas of my life. Does that make sense to us? And so I can tell you as the leadership, your elders, your staff, me as the pastor have bathed this in prayer to get to this. And you know, in the book of James, God talks about this issue of wisdom. And he says, look, if any of you, just stop right there. That's an all y'alls statement, right? You heard me say, that's all y'all. If any of you, that would be like all of us, me, each one here. So now we can proceed knowing he's talking to us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let God ask, let him ask God who gives generously. Isn't that an amazing word to use with wisdom? How God gives, you know, we think of God meeting our needs. Provision is generous, right? But the idea that when we ask God for wisdom, he also includes that in his generous bucket. And he gives us wisdom generously. And he says, without reproach. We don't even, God doesn't even second guess it. You want wisdom? God said, God will give you wisdom. And it will be given to him. I also want to you know, I was, this was a few weeks ago I was reading, and it was really about the idea that sometimes women feel left out in the Bible but the, because it's all him, he, and mankind, right? And the scholar, a lot smarter than I am on this one, let me tell you, but I learned in this that in the writing of that day, the word of him because of the nature of the culture, 
him, he, mankind referred both to men and women, unless it specifically spoke to the man in that regard. So when God says mankind, ladies, you can't ignore it because he didn't say and womankind. He's talking to all of us on that. You with me? So I say that because this is what's said here. It's going to be given to us. If any of you lack wisdom, just ask God who gives generously. But now here's the other part of this, because this is another 5.30 this morning. I had, I had not opened up to relook at my notes here for today with the Scriptures on wisdom. I'm just going with a devotion today. And here was the issue. James goes on to tell us in 122, <clears throat> be doers of the Word, not only hearers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And here's the issue. I believe there are greater problems in the Christian world with Christians, male, female, all sizes, everything, that does not stem from not knowing what to do, but having the courage and obedience to do what you know is right. That's our real issue, isn't it? And there's a, there's a twist on this in James when he says, be doers of the Word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. Did you ever think that if you're sitting back and say, man, I know a lot of God's Word. I'm hearing God's Word. I'm hearing God's Word. I realized this morning that God doesn't tell me things just to hear Himself talk, but it's to move me to action, right? That's where the doers of the Word. And the way that I read this this morning then at this Scripture was this, if we're sitting here just hearing the Word and saying, but you know what, that doesn't apply to me. I mean, it's a great Word. It's a good book. I've really enjoyed parts of this, you know? It, it's been helpful to me at times. But if we don't take God's Word that He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through reading of His Word, through fellowship together, God uses that. And we don't use that to give us the courage to move forward and be doers of the Word. God tells us here we're deceiving ourselves. And I, I was thinking to myself, how are we deceiving ourselves? And then this, you know, the, the benefit of the second service, Billy always says, you get another message completely. And then God trains me in between them. So, But this idea of deceiving myself and what that means is Don't think sitting around and being able to recite Scripture is enough. Is Scripture important? Is memorizing it important? Absolutely it is. But if we don't go beyond just reciting Scripture to somebody that needs help, reciting Scripture to someone that has a problem, and reciting Scripture, if that's our stopping point, I'm not saying that the reciting of Scripture is bad. I'm saying if we stop there, that's that part where, knowing all that Scripture, we might think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I would rather know less Scripture and do more with it than to know more Scripture and do less with it. Now, you got that, and the 9 o'clock worship experience didn't. So take that as a little extra on the side. What can I tell you? So from this, as we look at being doers of the Word, and we talk about this issue of raising... I believe that there's three areas of raising that we need to focus on at Summit Church. The very first one is simply this, eternal salvation. God's very clear. He raises people up. 
through our knowledge in Jesus Christ. When I ask you, and I did a few weeks ago, and we'll do this more, but it's the idea that do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? I'm not asking for just a pure knowledge answer. Well, I know who the book is about. I believe that. I've shared with some of you, my dad believed everything that was written in the Bible. We had done a Bible study for a year. He believed Jesus Christ. He believed God. He just didn't believe God would actually do that for all of the bad things he felt he had done. You see, so when I say, do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? Do you know the heart and spirit of Jesus, that He came to earth for the purpose of dying for your sin and mine? That the Word hasn't changed, that it takes blood, sacrifice to cover sin, and that Jesus shed His blood to cover our sin once and for all? That man, Jesus, triune Godhead, came to earth with that purpose in mind and walked out His purpose until He hung and died on a cross just like that where He was crucified, dead, buried. And on the third day, He rose, and He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to judge. If you don't know that Jesus, this book right here gives you good knowledge. But if you don't know that Jesus, then I would tell you as your pastor, I'm failing you if I don't give you an opportunity to know that Jesus. That it's more than just reading right here, reciting Scripture with it, and even showing up to church regularly. This is the man, Jesus, that we've got to know. And God tells us as He walks us through this, what that means is that Christ came with the express purpose there, and we know that He was crucified, dead, and buried. We got that, but you've got to own that with your heart and speak it with your mouth, which requires the confessing that I have sinned and fallen short, right? So that you can confess and ask God to forgive you because your sins have been covered by the blood of our Savior. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 14 says this, Since we have been of the same faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. You get that? That's what was written. That's what was stated by you. You believed and you spoke. That you knew in your heart and you spoke it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It says, and I believe, so I spoke. We also believe, so we speak knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus, get this, will raise us also. Will raise us also. See, the first element of raising is that whole issue of us and our eternal salvation based on the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And He says, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into your presence. Well, that idea of being in God's presence what does that mean? Well, God says, look, Jesus Christ spoke in John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. What's he say there? Well, when he said, when you know it in your heart, right, and you speak it with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, God says, and he promises like Jesus, he will raise us up. And at that time in his presence... Well, what does John 14, 6 say? But the only way to be in the Father's presence is through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life for us. There is no other choice. And that's been done for us. So our very first thing when we look at this issue of raise is, is us. 
That's the most important foundation. Will you be raised up because of what you believed and what you spoke? And now we get to the second part of this, us. It wasn't by chance that we decided on this day as we were looking at rays and we said baptism that the tank is here. And you know, one of the things about this church that I love, and there's so much, we could go on for a couple of days on that conversation, but is the fact that, you know, if there was only one person being baptized, the tank would be set up for them. It takes several days to warm it up. We chopped the ice off this morning, you know, so I could climb in without dying, okay, you know, the, the cold water. But somebody says, how many people do you have to have come forward, sign up to be baptized before you'll schedule a Sunday for baptism, put up the tank, fill it with water, spend several days heating it, and then, of course, it's got to be tore down and put away in that. How many people here at Summit have to sign up before we would do that for them? Anybody want to give me a number? Neil, thank you. Thanks, buddy. He's exactly right. One. One. That's the number. One. Now, let's get something straight on baptism. I'd said earlier, if we're going through this process and you say, okay, Chuck, gosh, I've been a Christian. I've acknowledged Jesus Christ, and I've never been baptized. I would like to be baptized today, but I didn't come prepared. Your church family came prepared, everything you need, both male and female in the various restrooms there, everything you need, the shirt, the shorts, towels will meet you. You can be baptized today if, if you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and say today is the day. We're not grabbing people and throwing them in like donuts and dipping them. We're going to do this because you know in your heart who Jesus Christ is. And here's the thing with, with the obedience part. Baptism is not the moment of salvation. You don't get baptized and believe. You believe and get baptized. Because baptism is not the act of salvation. Baptism is an act of obedience because you believe. Because you believe, it is the first act of obedience to say, I now acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Got it? Not just my Savior. Guys, listen to me, just the men. A lot of us guys got into this faith thing by taking out a fire insurance policy on the thing we love most because we just didn't want to burn in hell. We weren't real sure about this lordship thing where we would turn our lives over to this Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who would guide us. We weren't too sure about that, but we thought we were okay as long as we just got the Savior part. You see, the Savior part is meant to go with the Lord part that creates the obedience to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is about. What God tells us in His Word in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, simply the very familiar Scripture, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want to pause right there. I want to tell you just culturally, theologically, here at Summit Church, Nations to us means the area right now that God has given us responsibility for, five miles. Now, I know some of you live outside of that. Please keep coming. Please keep coming. Don't think I'm saying if you're five miles out, we'll find you another church. But I'm saying from a ministry area, five miles, 
We want to target right here. Nations to us, that word really means gender, generationally, and geographically, culturally. So that means gender, all generations, all culture. That's what the nation is that God is saying us, that we're to go therefore and make disciples. What's He say next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now get the next one, then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am always, I'm with you always till the end of the age. I want you to get the order on this. Go and make disciples. That really go and make disciples is saying, bring, be the conduit where I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can bring them the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he says, when that's acknowledged, two, they should be baptized. That's an act of obedience. They should step up, be baptized. Three, teaching. Now, let me just tell you what that means for us here at Summit in our community of faith. There will be a baptism. There was one this morning at the 9 o'clock. There will be baptism here. Many will think that when you bring somebody or create a safe place and they acknowledge Jesus Christ and they get baptized, wow, look at us. Our work here is done. Let me help you. That's the starting line, not the finish line. Because the very next thing that God tells us right here in Matthew is, okay, they should know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They should be baptized. Now the fun begins. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. That's what God tells us is next. So when we say, well, they know Jesus Christ and they've been baptized, wow, look at us. What I say is look in the mirror and say, okay, understand this, your work just started. And we'll talk about why we come together as a group, but that's the process. So for me, that's it. The very first thing in raise is God is telling us that we are to look and be a community that is deeply convicted by what we believe and know to be true, that God can use us to create a safe place for people to come in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can reach every heart. But He also wants us to know in the reaching, there's that teaching part that if you're sitting here today and you go, I have professed, believed with my heart, confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I have been baptized. Pretty well got it. Understand this. There was a word that followed right after that. Your journey needs to, your thought process on your journey, can I just tell you in love, you need to change. Because he says, now start teaching that he wants to use you, and there's a place for everybody here to do that. So that's number one. Number two, I believe that the issue of raising up is the community of faith. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, God tells us, let us consider how to stir up one another. Okay. Guys, if you're married or thinking about being married, do not use that scripture about stirring up one another as an excuse for upsetting your wife. That is not what God means. Got that? Okay. 
and other things. And I said that so delicately and so sensitive. And that was part of that Army Ranger and Special Forces training I received, sensitivity and delicacy. So he says, let us consider how to stir up one another, get this, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, by encouraging one another, all the more you see the day is drawing near. Do you see what he's saying is, is that we stir up inside of us that spirit, right, with one another to love and to good works. And he said, but you can't neglect meeting, okay? If you're watching us online, I want you to know this isn't a reflection of us saying, wait a minute, you're not really a good Christian if you're just online watching us. For many of them online, there are health reasons, and there's reasons there's doing that. Some, in case of a very close family, friends of ours, they're online watching because they're with someone who can't get here, and they sit and form their community right there. So my point on this is, is this idea of meaning, but if you're here, we need to understand God has you here for a reason. And it's not just to check in on your Facebook, to check in at Summit Church so people know you attended church. I had somebody once, and they had gone to church but forgot to check in. And I joked with them. I said, you know, I was looking at your Facebook, and you didn't check in at church. Did you go? And they went, yeah, we went. And I said, you don't get credit for it with God because God's a Facebook God. Unless you check in with God to let him know you're there, you, you, you can't get credit for that. You need to go back and fix that, okay? So the idea that God is calling us together. But here's the other thing. We say, he says, to love and good works, but it's not limited there. As we gather together, we're to grow and to encourage one another. And one of the studies that I read, in the New Testament alone, there are 59, depending on the version that we're reading, but just use a number, 59 one another's. That's where God's telling us how to, how to have relationship with one another. How are we to treat one another? And he, we know this. He's saying, and I want you to come together for good works, to love each other, to encourage each other, right, to support one another. But get this, just in the New Testament, over and over God's Word tells us to love one another, to honor one another, to greet one another, be devoted to one another, to instruct one another, to teach one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to admonish one another, to do life with one another. You see, that's what God's telling us here. That's what the community is for. We grow from each other. We teach each other. We walk alongside each other. That's why we are to come together, 59 one another's that cannot be done. And I know with all the technology, we can Zoom those people. But boy, there's nothing like a real touch, a hand to hold, a voice to hear, and being present in the moment when you're with them is there. And God's calling us to the one another's. And he is saying to us as some of church, you need to pay attention to the one another's. And that's why we say here it's, it's names over numbers. It's people over the numbers. It's why God has you here over the number we count. And I will... I will tell you this, as your pastor, I don't know how many come to church here. 
If somebody asked me at the first service, said, well, how many did you have at the first service? I said, well, Billy and I were there. And I know people that I... I don't know. I don't know from August 21st, our first weekend here, I don't know what our numbers are, but I know a lot of names now. I know more people. I know more people to pray for. I know more people to encourage. I know more people that God is calling me to be a one another with. I just don't know how many we have. And if that lets you down, I'm sorry, but I'm not. Sometimes you have to say that to pretend you mean it. But you are far more important to us, everyone here, than any number on any sheet will ever be. But come back to this on this meeting with this and all the one another's. God's got this, this Scripture, and I, you know, I think I skipped over one, a slide up there, and it was on the house and the our reach, raise, and release. We'll put it up at the end for me. But there was some continuity that I wanted to show you between reaching and raising and releasing, that it's not one and done, check the block and move on, but they're all connected. Oh, are they good? I got to tell you. I said that's one of the things I love. My list just keeps growing. But here's what I want you to see. Andrew did this. I think it took him about 13 seconds after he says, Chuck, draw something out on a napkin and hand it to me. I'll take care of it. And that's how good he is and the staff. But here's what I want you to see. I know I shouldn't turn my back to you, but I got to see this too. Reach overlaps with raise. They're not separately. Raise overlaps with release, and it's continuous. And if we were actually doing it and drawing the circles, it would just be a continuous process, isn't it? that we do this. But here's why they overlap. When we look at the continuity of our purpose, our mission here to reach, raise, and release, we've got to understand this. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 14, he says, we gave some to be apostles and prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building the body of Christ until until we all attain unity of faith and of the knowledge of Son of God to mature manhood, that's womanhood too, personhood, to measure the stature of fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning. Get this. God is saying we need each other. Now, I will tell you this. There are people in here, sons and daughters of the King on high, One should be in community groups because we're going to grow deeper there too. There's some in here. I'm going to just put this out here and you know exactly who God's talking to. You ready? I'm going to tell each person in here who needs to hear this. You need to think about leading a community group because God has positioned you to help teach through the power of the Holy Spirit and lead and facilitate growth at a different level. You all know who I just talked to, so figure it out. Okay? But I will tell you this, right after this service, this worship experience, there is small group training, community group training going on, and there will be food. Okay, gotcha. All right, but now when we look at this thing here, it's the idea that what he has said is, look, we need each other. Because when he says, and the Apostle Paul said, you know, by this time you ought to be teachers, 
right? You need somebody to teach you again in the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. You should be eating meat, not just drinking milk. And that goes for all of us because we need each other to help grow. And I am convinced that we start, we have a greater risk of not growing when we're isolated. When we are by ourselves, we are at the greatest risk for not growing. When we are with others in community, we have our greatest possibility of growing. Now you do the math on that. Community groups, church, together, the one another's, that's what God meant for us to grow. Isolated over here, we have a very high risk of not growing. I can tell you this, that as your pastor, we're gonna do everything we can do to help you grow in every way that we possibly can at this community of faith. The third issue here that I believe is foundational to the raising up is generation to generation. It's not an Old Testament. It's not a New Testament. It's a Bible principle. I'm a big fan of let's don't get hung up on the Old Testament or leave the Old Testament and just get hung up on the New Testament. Saints, it's a big book. Let's use the whole thing. God gave us the whole thing for a reason. So we look at generation to generation, just a couple of things. One is Genesis. That's a good place to start at the beginning, isn't it? And here's what he says in Genesis 9:12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I make between you and me and every living creature that is with you and all future generations. Now, I want to come back to something I said last week and the week before. There are so many things God says that he doesn't follow it with a, if you will, or I could if I wanted to, but I'm not sure. God makes these promises and he says for all generations, and we've got to invest in these. We've got to invest in the generations. That's part of our one another's in our community. I know, uh, I know you're supposed to ask somebody before you use them as a sermon illustration, but I'm running over time, so I don't have time to ask this person. Um, so, you know, you just go with it, right? There's a young man sitting over here right directly behind my wife I have known for several years. He's a head football coach at Wheat Ridge High School. He's got a great church, was baptized last September with a great friend of mine, personal friend, lives a few minutes from the church up in that area north. But about six years ago, he asked me to be the character coach for a football team, his. We've been together, connected as he went from Granby to Florida to Kansas. And then just last July, he was hired as the head football coach. I spoke to the AD that hired him, who's also a good friend now. And he says there was something about his desire to reach the generations and character more than football. And it goes back to some of them. You might want to introduce yourself to Brandon Wilkes over there. But uh, at the same time I came here, as some, some of you know this story, I thought I was volunteering just to help out a little bit. And I was hired. He had saved an assistant football coach position at Wheat Ridge to hire me there. And it was an amazing experience. And I'm waiting to see if I'm hired for next year. But if, the, if I am, I think my wife has already said I can be. But I, I use that because as we talk about here at Summit, what we're asking 
God to do in us is not limit our growth and our relationships to our little Christian enclave. But that's where all of this goes out of there. And in every experience and place that we have, God wants to use you in a powerful and mighty way. And so we got that in Genesis and in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Again, we've, we've seen this before, but he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. Just pause and if that's all you had to go on, God is able to do far more abundantly than you and I could even ask or think according to the power that is at work, get this, within us. If that doesn't kind of blow your mind a little bit, that the power that is in us through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, God using his power in us can do more than we can even imagine or think or process or ask. He says, within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout, ready, all generations. We have a responsibility here. God is a generational God. And as a result, God is telling us, Summit Church will be a generational church. Summit Church will be a church for all generations. And we know that in our spirit. God has confirmed that as we prayed through this. And I can tell you this, your leadership in this church, your pastor, your staff and team here are absolutely committed to every generation in this church and the growth, the building them up in the body and being a safe place for God to work in and through them. That you can count on because we believe that God is a generational God because he told us so. And he, I, we believe this Summit Church is called to be an intergenerational church where every generation has value. Every generation gets to serve and be served. And every generation has a seat at the table. That's our Summit Church. That's what we are promising to you. And I'm going to do everything I can as your pastor. We're at an exciting time right now. We're going to have the opportunity for a baptism in our family. And let me tell you about the response and what's going to happen. Most of you know at this time here, I lead into the potential responses, step back, and our worship team takes over. Our worship team's gonna come out. I'm going to pray. They're going to lead us into the first worship song. I get to change clothes and I know of at least one. And if anybody else, this isn't a joke, says today is my day to be baptized. You can go see one of our ushers. You can go see somebody on the wall there and you will be helped to get everything you need for that. We're family, we can make this happen, okay? And so they're going to lead us through the first song. I'm going to go change, we're gonna come back and we're gonna be ready. And then we'll pause for this family time, this baptism. And then after that, they're gonna lead us and we'll have the opportunity for response. Our response opportunities, I will tell you, there's communion available on both sides. The cross is there. There are prayer concerns on the cross. I wanna encourage you, whether you write it on a card, you put it on the cross, if we can join you in prayer, please don't miss that opportunity. You can write it, hand it to one of our prayer people, or you can put it in the box. 
you will be prayed for. There's a prayer team on both sides waiting to pray with you. And so as we'll go into that second song after the baptism, that's going to be an opportunity to move. And my encouragement is, listen to God. Don't just be hearers of his voice, but be doers of his voice. And if he's calling you to respond, you respond as God calls you. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we come and as we prepare for this baptism time and we prepare as a family, Father, it's an exciting time. But Father, our prayer is, Father, that you would give us wisdom, not just the decision, but a wisdom for a lifetime. Grow us. Don't let us stay on milk when we should be on meat. Don't let us forsake the gathering together that we're supposed to do as a family. Don't let us forsake stepping up. Father, we want to live out our mission, our purpose here with everyone. To reach the heart of everyone, to be a safe place for that for you. To raise up and to release, empower, equip, and launch for your purposes and your kingdom, for your glory. So, Father, the desire of our heart is don't let us sit idly by, but use us mightily, Father, for you. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's family said, Amen. Team.